the end times, and it is it is a blessing because one of these days we're going to be gone. Amen. Well, amen, amen. Well, good to be saved. Amen. Good to be in church. Amen. Good to see me. Amen. Oh, yeah, I'm staying, I'm staying, I'm staying. I, uh, I like this. I get a new glass. I figure by Wednesday we'll have almost a whole set. <laughs> um, I'm going to mention a couple things about the book table. And uh, um, I will say, I'm gonna, I've never said this before because I've never felt this before. But, um, you know, the name of my ministry is a friend of churches. I want to be a friend to a church, help a church. And um, I almost feel like, all right, like when I come here, all right, we're, I was talking with one of the guys before, Brother Timothy, I was talking with the guys before the church uh, service. And, uh, um, you know, you look out there, you see a truck and a trailer. Uh, you know, we went through uh, two trailers, a fifth wheel, four motor homes, and this is the second trailer since then. And I'd have the motorhomes and somebody would go, ooh, I'd like this. And what they meant was they wanted it down at the lake, right? You know, those are called recreational vehicle. Everybody that looks at it sees recreation. And when you own one, you see vehicle, okay? Like, what's that? Like, 400 bucks an oil change, 600 bucks a tire. That's what you see. But it's just a piece of equipment. You buy it to do a job. And I'm going to be very honest. That's what I am. I'm just a piece of equipment, like an ox that you just hook up to the plow, and, and, and uh, uh, I work for my master. <clears throat> I, I don't look for anything. Uh, I don't seek anything. Uh, I don't see anything for me. Uh, I've told your pastor, I tell every pastor this. You know, I get a lot of pastors, and they'll say, uh, well, hey, you know, I don't want to bother you this week because you've got work to do. Guys, I'm working on five books. And I tell pastors, I bring my work with me, and I take it out with me, but I've only got four days to be with you. And I, oh, he owns me this, these next four days. I'm not going to, he's not going to say, let's get breakfast. I'm going to say, I'm working on five books. I, I'll, I'll do the work next week, okay? But I only got about four or five days with you guys. So, so when I come to church, I just want to do something for the church. And, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't look to, uh, to get anything. But I'm going to tell you, I almost feel like uh, God gave this meeting for me. That I could get something. I have been... So blessed. Uh, I, can't, I can't say it enough, and I'm not overemphasizing it. Uh, I can't say enough uh, of, of how blessed I am to see your ground all tore up. I really am. I'm serious. I really am. Uh, guys, I'm in churches like this one all over. And um, you know what is leaving? You know what's leaving our churches? Vision. Exactly. Vision. And without vision, what? People perish. Let me tell you what my pastor just did. And, and, and when I say this, I, he's on a list of one. Uh, you know, I told you so much the more this morning, so much the more as the day approaches. And, and he got up. He, he, had, he said, I want to have lunch with you. I got I to ask you something. So we had lunch and discussed this. And then he got up and he said, here's what I'm going to do. And he told me he was going to do it. And I said, well, wow, this guy's something. You know, you know Brother DeMichael was like for 30 years, he was my friend before he was my pastor. And uh, I love him being my pastor. And he got up and he said, um, he said, our young men have no courage. They are not brave. They don't have character. That's really, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But anyway, um, and he said, he said, we are going to expand our public ministry. We've got a guy in our church that is a, uh, he's got a public ministry. You could say it's street preaching, but he goes on to college campuses and he'll get 250 raging college students at him. I won't go with him. Oh, no, no, really. I'd punch somebody in the mouth. 
If those guys say, you know, then when somebody wants to act like you want to fight, I know what to do. And this guy's just like so gracious. I told him, God's given him a gift. And he said, when that brother's in town, we're going to have street preaching. We're going to go, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to increase our public ministry so our young men get more courage. And he said, now you ready for this? We have a, we have a Christian school. And he said, and we're cutting our Christian school sports program in half. So that you can't use that as an excuse to not go do something for God. Guys, you have no idea how rare it is for anybody to be looking beyond yesterday, not even tomorrow, okay? So first thing is when I came in here, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm blessed. Every, I, where I sit to read my Bible, I got a little window about this big, and I got the blind open, and I just look at your rocks. <laughs> and part of, part of this, ladies, ladies, I'm sorry, you know what's wrong with women? You just don't understand the value of a neat rock. I've only got, I've already got four of them in my, my trailer. One's kind of like egg shape, one's almost square. Anyway, but um, so that was a blessing. Uh, and then this morning, I, I know I, I said this this morning, but having Pete here has just, I, I probably 30, 35 years ago was the last time I saw him. And I prayed for him over the years, on and off. And, and every time I prayed for him, you know what there was? A question mark, because I don't know where he's at. And Pete, you just blessed my heart, okay? And then have my nephew come this morning. Uh, he's, a, he's a good young man, a young man, you know. But um, that, so that was a blessing. And then just the other day, we were, we were on the road, Kathy and I, and I began to talk about a preacher that I hadn't seen for about 30 years, who I met about 30, 35 years ago, and I really liked him. And again, you know, uh, we, don't always, uh, we don't always cross paths with people that we want to see. But I told Kathy, I said, I wonder how Tom Combs is doing. That's the truth, brother. That's the truth. And then I turn around, and there he is. So I want to tell you, I've been getting, this is like, uh, this is like God turned me loose in a donut factory. Okay? I mean, it's like every time I turn around, I'm getting, I'm getting a glazed donut and a cream stick and anything else that will just fatten me up. So it has been, uh, it has, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of excited. I'm going to say, this is only one day. That was yesterday and today. Well, the, most of the blessings were today. So I'm just going to, I feel like I'm in a target zone for good things instead of bad. And, uh, and I'm just looking forward to that. I really am. Um, I, I, I mentioned a couple of things about the book table. Uh, people ask, and so I will tell you, uh, uh, we do, because they, they want to know, how do you pay for them? Uh, cash, check, and we do take credit cards. We do take, I, in fact, I've got a pocket full of uh, <clears throat> credit cards from the, from the, from the last year. Check. <laughs> I may not look like Mary Smith, but I was for about two and a half weeks. You know. Anyway... Um, so my wife, my wife has that thing. And don't you believe in truth and advertising? Yeah. Okay. Then if you buy something with your credit card, don't get mad if next week you fill my truck up in Pennsylvania. We tell you we're going to swipe your credit card. <laughs> right? What, what part of that you don't understand? Anyway, so uh, yeah, she does. She takes care of that. Puppies, watches, anything. You know, she'll trade book for it. Um. <coughs> This one, uh, these have been around for a while. Let me tell you what motivated the, uh, the creation of this. This is called Bank for the Truth. They're aimed at grades 11, series 11, and, and grades 12. Uh, guys, I'm in, I told you I'm in Bible-believing churches every week. Every, every time I'm in a church, uh, it's a Bible-believing church. And you know what I, what I got tired of hearing? It was either a bro broken-hearted pastor or a broken-hearted parent. They would come up and they would say, we sent our son or our daughter to a King James Bible-believing Bible college 
And when they got there, the first thing they heard was King James is homosexual. Uh, the italicized words need to be taken out of the Bible. Uh, get rid of the archaic words. Uh, that verse doesn't belong there. And they literally, now, now think about sending your, your son or daughter to it. You called. Well, I called and talked to the president, and he said you're King James. Well, you think he's going to say, send your kid here and we'll destroy his faith in the book? No. But let me tell you what he did. After he hung up talking to you, that's exactly what he told him. We'll straighten that kid out when he gets here. And I can't tell you how many pa pastors or parents have said, our son or daughter graduated and they came back here and called us heretics and broke fellowship with their own family because of what they got in a quote unquote King James Bible College. So I, I always say this, why should we keep re-evangelizing our own children? Why don't we... Can I use the word inoculate? <laughs> this vaccine works. It really does. Give them the answers before they go and, and keep them from losing their faith, okay? And I will be honest with you, uh, the testimonies I've gotten back on this, I got a, a young man, uh, I probably preached to him most of his life. I was there when he was born and, you know, as he grew up and when he got into 11th and 12th grade. Now, sometimes these are not just for, for homeschooling. Uh, some churches use them in their in their. Uh, Christian school curriculum, uh, some guys or, or, or ladies who couldn't go off to Bible college or Bible Institute, uh, they buy them. It's very, very, uh, very informative. But anyway, this boy took these in 11th and 12th grade uh, and got an appointment to the Air Force Academy. This is probably 20 years ago now. And, and he spent a couple days, maybe a week in a, uh, with, with, in a 14-man tent with his guys. You know, there's all these guys uh, that, are, that are bivouac. And he said, we got talking. They brought it up. We got talking about the Bible. You know what 14 lost guys said? Let me tell you what a lost man's logic is. Lost, these 14 lost guys said this. If God really wrote the Bible, there'd only be one of them and not so many of them. See, you've got to be saved to be stupid. You don't have to be stupid to be saved, but you've got to be saved to be stupid. Only a, only a stupid Christian can believe that the Word of God is in 25 different versions. And he said, Mom, for the next two hours and 45 minutes, I taught them what I learned in these lessons. I had one pastor's daughter say, my professor even attacked the Bible with the very questions that you put in here. Uh, I had another young lady, uh, pastor's daughter, and a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on their door when she was home alone. She's about 16 years old. Uh, and they said something about her King James Bible. And here's what she told her dad later. She said, Dad, right there, my valiant kicked in. And literally talked them off the porch, okay? Just, just educate them. So, so those are back there. They are a help. They may be a help to you. Uh, this one, <coughs> abortion, come now, let us reason together. Again, this book is uh, it's written actually by my pastor uh, in, uh, in Boise. Uh, if you don't think abortion is murder, start thinking it tonight, okay? Because there's like 60-some 60, 60 million dead Americans, that's what they are. I believe that babies are, uh, I don't believe that they, you know, they, they get their soul when they're born. And uh, I think that when you murder unborn babies, you're going to answer for it. You make a bloody nation, pal. And this is good. Uh, my pastor talks about abortion, obviously from the scriptural uh, approach, but he also talks about the, the psychological and the physical, the metaphysical. Um, I, I don't know if your pastor's ever gotten these phone calls, but most pastors have. I did when I was pastoring. You get a phone call from a young woman. She'll never give her name. And she asks, tell me, tell me if abortion is murder. You know why? Because she had one five years ago. And suddenly today she realized, I killed my child. And the people that helped her, the people in the abortion clinic, they couldn't care less what it does to her emotionally. They don't have any heart whatsoever. Don't you kid yourself. 
And so this is a good one. Uh, this one is called, I wrote this, Living with Pain. No, 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 no. My wife did not write this. Okay. Entirely too thin. She's working on a two-volume set called Living with the Pain. But, uh, but in 1973, uh, in 1973, I broke my neck. Uh, my doctor uh, was that doctor you heard about that was practicing medicine because he'd never perfected it. Never looked at the x-ray, sent me back to work with a broken neck. Worked for two months that way. It was almost three months before they fixed it. But you know, if you broke your arm or leg uh, and they didn't fix it for uh, almost three months, it'd never be the way it should be. And so uh, in, in 73, they did a surgery here uh, in uh, Fuse 6 and 7, C6, C7. And in uh, in uh, 2008, they did a surgery over here, took C5 out uh, and put in a titanium plate. I have a titanium plate right here. I live for the day the Muslims try to cut off my head. <laughs> and now we're going to cut off your head. Bet you can. <laughs> I told you. Anyway, um, and then in 13, they did another one here. And guys, <clears throat> um, you know, there's a little, little problem with pain. And so uh, this has been helped to some folks, really has. Um, if you have a problem with, with uh, pain, people have two chronic problems. Chronic illness. I don't have chronic illness. I have chronic pain. Uh, I don't have diabetes. There's, guys, diabetes is something that's every day. Isn't that true? Yeah. Uh, lupus, it's horrible. My pastor, this man. Uh, has lived the last 20 years, yeah, 20, at least 20 years, fighting leukemia. Fighting leukemia. Uh, and so people have chronic illness. We have a book on that. This one is on chronic pain. Uh, and I've gotten a lot of people that said uh, that it has been a help to them. So, uh, so that book is back there. This one, I love this book here. I love this book, Serena Serenity. If you're ever kind of like all tensed up, just say the name a few times. Just, oh, Serena Serenity. Uh, you just go to sleep. I just say this at night. Serena, Serena. Do you know why I'm glad we published this book? I wouldn't read this book if it was the last book on the planet. You say, why? It's a girl book. See, it's written to me. It's written to ladies, okay? So ladies, ladies, okay? Read it and tell me about it. I'm not reading it, but it's a good book, what they tell me. Um, so so that, uh, that one is back there. Uh, you guys all know Steve Kogel, correct? Okay, this is by his son. Uh, you may have seen it. It's called Satan's Devices. Uh, a biblical neurobiological perspective of what impact too much screen time can have on our minds and bodies. Uh, here's the questions that he, that he, uh, that he addresses here. Uh, what does the Bible say about your eyes? Uh, how, how do uh, screens affect my child with autism? How does blue light affect my prefrontal cortex? I didn't even know I had one of those. Uh, does screen time increase anxiety? You really need to ask that? Most of you were fine until you looked on the internet and saw what happened yesterday. Go ahead, go on tonight and find out that our boat, our nation sunk a little lower in the water. Isn't that right? Um, uh, do, how do screens affect my uh, circadian rhythm? Can someone be addicted to screens? Do you need to ask that? When you see, I love them. I love them. I love the videos of people walking along like this. You know, walk in an open sidewalk elevator or into a fountain. I love it. Okay, uh, you think you can be addicted to screens? Some people, I'll, some of you, probably go to this in the morning. 
before you go to this. Right? So, yeah, you're not addicted. No, but you have a friend that is addicted. Uh, can screen time uh, lead to photophobia? Uh, so, so that is, this guy is a very, very, very intelligent young man. He, he really is. But he writes uh, legibly. So those are there. And let me tell you what's free. I want to tell you what's free because Baptists like free. Baptists do. Now, I know you think, you know, I'm joking, but really, this is good. Um, I, I will not tell you. I told you, you know, one surgery here, one surgery here, one surgery here. I only got one place back here where they haven't operated yet. They want to do that one now. I'm holding out for more money. This is very high, high dollar real estate right back here. Uh, and, and the last time I went to, I had an MRI, <clears throat> none of it is good news, okay? None of it is good news. Did you ever, did you, ever, did you, ever you know, we live, in the, we live in the West now. And like it rains in, in Idaho 12 inches a year. There's no snow rain. But you ever have one of those days when you knew something bad was coming? I mean, the sky is gray and you see the lightning over the horizon or on the horizon. And you, ooh, we got one coming. And then it misses you. Or it comes. My wife and I live there. Um, our future, we see that every day. We know this right here could be over next week. And we've lived that way for about the last 20 years. And um, this right here keeps us going. Uh, I've got people that pray for us. Brother, I, I had a young mother come up to me after a meeting some years ago. And she had a little, little daughter. She was holding her hand. <clears throat> and, and she wanted me to meet her daughter. And she said, this is my daughter, Stephanie. She's nine years old. She prays for you three times a day. You can't get that with a check, okay? Now, if you're not going to pray, I'll take a check. But, <laughs> but guys, uh, this, you know, and, and I'm going to say this. I really hate to say this, but I had to change what I said. I used to say this. I used to say, if everybody praying for me right now stops today, if everybody quits praying for me today, I will not be in the ministry seven days from now. I don't say that anymore, and I'll tell you why. I say, if everybody stops praying today, I will not be in a ministry tomorrow. That's where we live. So this keeps us going. And, um, and think about it, guys. Uh, you know, I had somebody ask me, they said, uh, what do you do about being addicted to painkillers? And I said, I, I just don't take them. I, I do take them occasionally. Um, uh, but like, you know, if I get a six-month prescription for painkillers, they'll ask me about two or two and a half years because I chose many years ago for you not to get addicted to painkillers. But I got addicted to something. I got addicted to prayer. And here, and I know that sounds really cool, but think about this. How can I make you pray for me? I can't, I can't make anybody in this room pray. I, if you get addicted to painkillers, can't you buy painkillers on a street corner? That's where I get mine. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I can't make you pray for me. And, and so if you would be so kind, I'm not asking you to promise anything. I'm not asking you to pray every day. We have some folks pray every day. I'm telling you, I could do backflips. I'd do them right there. But I figure this. If we get onto a Baptist refrigerator, we got like six chances a day of getting prayed for. Or six, Yeah, I mean, six times during the day. You know, breakfast, uh, post-breakfast, pre-lunch, lunch, post-lunch, pre-supper, post -lunch, pre -pre and then the great one, snack. I don't know who coined the phrase snack. That can be a roast turkey. Right? I mean, 
11 o'clock at night, you're eating a roast turkey with mashed potatoes and gravy and, 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 and what's that? Snack. If it comes after supper, it's a snack. Okay? And so, uh, you know, I would take the one, gentlemen, pastrami sandwich, 1 o'clock in the morning, pray for us. So, so those are back there on the table. <coughs> I told you, my wife, uh, <clears throat> my wife is back there <laughs> to take your money. Guys, we've been married, this August will be 51 years. I can testify. That lady knows how to take money. You have no idea what a blessing it is for me to see her taking someone else's money. So she'll be back there and, uh, and, and help you. But um, I have to say, guys, it's just been a blessing uh, just to be here. The, the, the things that the Lord has done that, that we did not see. And I want to say this. Uh, you know, I, I preach in churches like this one. Uh, and generally, generally, I have about three results, how, how it turns out. I'll come in and preach. And, uh, and obviously, we'll have a great meeting because I'm preaching. But nothing else happens. You know, um, I don't get close to the pastor or to anybody in the church. And that's not a bad thing because I'm only here to help the church. Uh, and then sometimes uh, I come and I preach in the church and the pastor uh, and I get a friendship. I feel like your pastor is my friend. I am his, okay? Uh, and that is nice. And so sometimes I come in and, and the pastor and I become friends, but, but, you know, maybe not with the whole church. And then, guys, sometimes uh, I feel like, like I have a meeting, and not only do I feel like, like the relationship with the pastor is a friend, but I feel like, like the whole church has become a friend. Okay. I don't know why I, don't know I told you that. Anyway... Uh, Guys, this could be saved, isn't it? Hey, if you can laugh on this Titanic that we live, it's good, isn't it? And you know, guys, I know some of you are worried about what's going to happen to the country, right? And, And think about this. Next time you're worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow to the country, stop and say this. But I haven't worried a bit about what's going to happen to me in eternity. Our eternity, we got that taken care of. And so that is good to have, uh, have happen. Well, I'm going to ask you if you'll turn to three places in your Bible, three places, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, verse, uh, well, just, just turn there. I'm, I'm not preaching out of it. I just want to see if it's in your version. But Isaiah chapter 40 and uh, Psalm 27 and Proverbs chapter 27. So we're going to go to Isaiah Chapter 41, and then we're going to go to Psalm 27, and then we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 27. And in Isaiah chapter 40, I want you to look, if you will, at the very last verse. No, no, this will not be the, this will not be the first time you ever heard this, okay? Yeah, you can stand, you can stand. But in Isaiah chapter 40, Look at the last verse, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now look, if you will, uh, to Psalm 27. And in Psalm 27, again, go to the very last verse, verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now go to Proverbs chapter 27. 
<coughs> in Proverbs chapter 27, look at verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Father, we thank you now, God, for you. And I think, I really do thank God that I speak for these people, this whole church. When I say these two things, we have no problem with you. Because there is just nothing wrong with you. I don't think anybody here, whatever they've been upset about, frustrated about, depressed about, uh, worried about, none of it's been you because we have no problem with you. And I think I speak for these people when I say we have no problem with your book because there's just nothing wrong with this book, God. Amen. So, Lord, these folks came here and they came for two reasons. They came to get something from your Bible and something from you. And, and God, if they don't get it tonight, it will be my fault. I don't want to be the reason these folks don't hear from you. So what, what they need you to do and, and what you need to do for yourself, God, get Sam Gipp out of their way that they could hear something from you. Get Sam Gipp out of your way that you could say it. Just get, get Gipp out of the picture. Speak to the hearts of your people and accomplish your purpose. And each life represented. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, you, know what I, you, know how I, you know how I describe the Christian life. Tell me if this isn't true. I did not know this. Again, again, remember, June 14th, 1970, I get down on my knees, uh, and I was living at that time, I was 20 years old, I was Roman Catholic, I was living with my parents, uh, not in the basement, but uh, I was living with my parents, and when I got off my knees, from that day forward, I've been living at a bus stop. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me ask you, what is a bus stop? Isn't it where you want to go someplace, so you go there and you stand there and wait until the guy comes that you want and picks you up and takes you where you want to go? Am I not talking to a bunch of people? You have been patiently waiting for the person you want to see to come and pick you up and take you where you want to go. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been living at a bus stop. Nice bus stop. Uh, whatever you're complaining about our country, guys, we have ice cream. Amen. Don't believe me? Ask the guy in the White House. Uh, ask a, isn't it funny? That's the same thing Pelosi was excited about. Like $30,000 refrigerators this lady's got, and all she can talk about is ice cream. But, but really, guys... Uh, you know, I, uh, I, never, I never talk about living in America like it's a hardship. Uh, it, it is frustrating. It is uh, depressing, is it not? Uh, but, um, guys, I have been in some bus stops. I've been in some places, no, no running water, no electricity, uh, where people have strange diseases. And, um, and they're living in the same bus stop. But, but our bus stop's a little nicer. And I've been patiently waiting for the Lord to come. Uh, I did have somebody say, and I was telling your pastor and his wife this yesterday, uh, I, had a, I had a brother say, man, I never thought we'd be here in 2023. And I said, oh, I did. He said, you did? I said, yeah, I really did. I really did. I said, now, I thought we would be 23 years into the millennium, but I thought we'd be here. Isn't that right? You think about it. You thought we'd be here in 2023. You thought the rapture would have happened. Then there would have been a, the seven years of tribulation. We're not going through any of it. You can go through as much as you want. Uh, and then the millennium would have started. So, so I did think we'd be here. I just thought, I thought, was, I thought the millennium was scheduled like for 2000. I don't know. You know I, I told Dr. Ruckman one time, he's riding my car with me. And I said, Doc, I said, you know, I said, if God would have read your Revelation commentary, we'd have been out of here by now. <laughs> and, and did you ever try to show somebody something in the Bible and they just couldn't get it? Do you know how many preachers for the last century have been trying to explain to God the day of the rapture, and he ain't got it yet. <laughs> I mean, there were 88 good reasons why God was coming in 1988, and apparently God didn't buy the book. 
and, and just everybody and their dog has got some kind of a date for the rapture. And the Lord has just ignored them as though he were God. But, um, but, but he's going to come. Uh, let me tell you this. Uh, I got saved, uh, uh, like I said, about 51 years or 53 years ago. Uh, no, no, no. 50, yeah, 53 years ago. And when I got saved, there were some white-haired old men about my age at that bus stop. You know, I kind of liked being a kid. I, I kind of liked standing next to those guys. Like Tom Combs, look at his hair. Didn't he look good? No, I mean, really, I'm not making a joke. That is a white-haired man of God. Isn't that true? You young men, that's a good man to stand beside right there. Okay? And some of those who were at that bus stop in 1970 have found another way to get there without waiting for the bus. And one by one, they've made their journey. I'm still waiting at the bus stop. I still think he's coming. And so, you know what I've been doing for, for 53 years? I've been waiting on the Lord. But, and you've heard those verses that I read talking about wait, for the, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, and we're all waiting on the Lord. That's not what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. I'm not going to talk to you about waiting for the rapture. I believe in the rapture. Uh, you know, somebody once said they like to get, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. That's right. In fact, God has, a, has such a good, a good title for it. I told you this morning, guys, um, I think this. I, I think that our Declaration of Independence uh, and our Constitution for this country, I think those are the greatest uninspired writings in history. But they're uninspired. They're not inspired, okay? And... Um, you know who I feel sorry for right now more than anybody? Lost conservatives. Because they see the country sinking just like you see the country. And you know what their hope is? The Constitution. Declaration of Independence. Their AR-15. Trump getting back in. I, I hope Trump gets back in. I, I told you, personally, uh, the, the day they put him out of the White House, I do not think he lost the election. That's why I don't call the guy in the White House our president. I don't think he's our president. But uh, the day they put him out, I told Kathy, I said, now they're going to do everything they can to put him in prison before the next election. And if they can't get him in prison, watch that 767 go down in flames. I, I really believe they're going to kill him. If he, now, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But do you know how many people tonight pillow their heads saying their hope is Donald Trump and our Constitution? And so God never called it the rapture. He said, you have a hope. Don't you guys have a hope? A blessed hope. Exactly, John. Our hope is a blessed hope. He says we have a blessed hope. So, so I like that. So, and we've heard, uh, uh, we've heard many sermons and, and many times the verses that we looked at <coughs> referred to uh, as, as we should wait on the Lord. But let me ask you a question. You know, sometimes a word has more than one usage. Correct? Anybody ever hear, uh, go to a restaurant? Okay. Um, it will be either a man or a woman or one of the other 85 genders or whatever they are. But anyway, uh, you'll have a man or a woman who takes your order and brings your food. And what do we call them? We call them a waiter or a waitress. Why? Because they wait on us. Uh, I, am, I, am, I don't think I'm special. Uh, I know I'm not royalty. Uh, I, don't, I don't expect people to treat me special. But when I go out to eat... I'm special. To who? To my waiter or waitress. Their job is to take care of me. Isn't that right? So that's how it is. And so what I'm going to talk to you about tonight uh, is waiting, waiting, not waiting like when you're going to get here, but waiting like what would you like me to do? 
on the Lord. Because every one of us is expected to wait uh, on the Lord. Uh, back there in Proverbs chapter 27, look at it again. 18, whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Isn't God your master? Okay. Well, you can't, I don't think that's just about waiting for the rapture, waiting for the blessed hope. I think we are supposed to, supposed to wait him. Don't we call ourselves servants? I'm a servant of the Lord. Don't we love to say that? And here's the funny thing. We're the only servants that every morning we get up and command our master and tell him what he can do to please us. We tell him every morning, here's how you can put a smile on my face. When we're here for the exact opposite purpose, we are here. Uh, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for this created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So here we are, guys. Uh, we are here to put a smile on the face of God every morning. Isn't that true? And yet every morning we get up and tell him how he can put a smile on our face. He's not the waiter. He's not your servant. He is the master. And so here's what I'm going to do tonight. Um, I didn't exactly write this message. Oh, it's my message, okay? No, I didn't download it. That would be tomorrow night's message. But um, what I mean when I say I didn't write it, uh, what I'm going to just give you, because believe me, in uh, almost 40 years on the road, we have eaten in a lot of restaurants. We've eaten in a brother where the AIDS virus hangs from the ceiling and spirals like gypsy beads, okay? All of our boys, they, at a very young age, they learned how to flush a toilet with their foot. You just learn those things when you live on the road. And um, what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you about some of the experiences we have, have had with waiters or waitresses, because we have had some experiences. Some of these people... They still haven't found their bodies. I just want you to know that. But um, because, because uh, look, look, I don't think we should be snobs. I don't think we should think that we are entitled people. But doesn't that change when you go into a restaurant? Aren't you entitled to good service? Doesn't a waiter or waitress exist for one thing? Take care of you. Right? Okay. What? Don't you exist for one, one thing? Take care of him? Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to talk to you, not necessarily uh, any special order, but I'm going to talk to you about some of the waiters or waitresses that we have experienced. And maybe except for one of them, I hope you don't find yourself in here. Uh, I know this sounds crazy, but the first thing, you know what a good waiter or waitress does? They notice you. You say, well, of course they know. No, no, you don't understand. Uh, they notice you. Uh, I don't know who did this. I don't know who told them. You know, they have, uh, you know, like, like I'm sure Christian schools, the heads of Christian schools go someplace, they have, a, they have a conference, and then they go back to their schools, and they start initiating a program. Uh, we saw this. We saw this as we live on the road. These, these restaurant people, they have to have conferences, conventions. And they say, some guy gets up and says, well, hey, here's what I've been doing in my restaurant, and it's increased our income. And then everybody goes and institutes that. Has anybody noticed? Now, it's probably been about five years. But we walk into a restaurant, want to get a seat, and they, they, they want to sit us at the bar. I mean, never had that happen. But suddenly, they want to put you by the bar. And I said, no, you carry my drink to the table. You wait on me. But anyway, um, uh, and it's come to the point where we just walk in and when we said, we want a seat. We don't want a table by the bar. See, now, how did that happen across the country at the same time? Because they got to some convention and somebody said, sit them close to the bar. They'll buy more drinks and get drunk and give you more money. I guess that's what they do. They all think the same thing. Somewhere, I don't know who thought of this, 
But did you ever notice you can go into an almost empty restaurant, like there's somebody sitting at one table, and they sit you at the table next to them? This whole place is empty. And they put, the only two occupied tables are side by side. Now, let me explain something. My wife and I are not spies. We're not there to, you know, uh, meet an agent and give them the, the codes that launch the missiles or, you know, something on a new rocket motor. No, no, no. We're not, and we're not going to listen to these people, but I don't know why they do that. But I had, we had this happen. We're in Florida, and uh, we stopped for lunch. It's just Kathy and I, so this is after we had uh, unloaded the boys. And, and there's only this place, there was only, it was probably a room this size. Uh, only it was oblong. We came in here, and right over here, right over there by that pillar, that's where uh, there was a booth along the back. And there were two guys that were seated there, and they put us right next to them. You should hear what I found out. Oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> they put us right next to them, but that was actually good. You know why? Because I watched for 20 minutes by my watch. For 20 minutes, the waiter, who only had two occupied booths to take care of, them and us, he would go to that booth and talk to them about whatever they wanted, and they'd turn around and walk back to the kitchen. Now, what happens when, usually, what's the standard protocol when you go to a restaurant? They sit you down, the first thing they do is give you menus, right? And they go, uh, I'll bring your water in a minute, and your, and your waitress will be here. Nobody gave us menus when we sat down. Nobody gave us water when we sat down. In fact, this guy who, he's looking at this booth, and we're right there. He can see us without even looking at us, right? He never said, I'll be with you in a minute. I'm very busy with all of these people that I have to serve. He never, said, he never brought out menus, never brought out water, never said, I'll be with you. And we sat there for 20 minutes. Now, I lost weight, but I didn't think I lost that much. And tell me if this isn't true. Aren't there a lot of restaurants in this country? Ooh, that's so wonderful. I mean, for a Baptist, so many restaurants, so little time. And so I said this, and I, didn't, I don't get mad. I don't get mad. Honest, guys, you may think that, that uh, if somebody gives us bad service, I call the manager, and I, I never, ever do that. But I'm, I'm dying. I really am. I'm dying. As I speak to you, I'm dying. So what is it? Old age! And I just died 20 minutes worth accomplishing nothing. I could at least have had a chicken, you know, a drumstick in my hand. So I look at my wife, <coughs> and I say, Gipper, there are too many restaurants in this country. We can go someplace else, get waited on. And so we get up to leave. And as we're walking out, the manager says, uh, how was your meal? <laughs> now, wait a second. We walk past him. We were going out the door. I didn't stop and say, let me tell you what happened here. I never, I did not go there. I had no intention of complaining about this guy. But he says, how was your meal? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, we sat there for 20 minutes, and a guy never gave us menus, the water, acknowledged we even existed. It's kind of like when I was home. And, um, and he goes like this. He goes, he said, I'll guarantee if you go back in there right now, I guarantee you'll be waited on in 30 seconds. I said, by an angry waiter? You know there are people in this world you do not want to make angry. Whoever is bringing your food from the kitchen to your table, a lot can happen to a plate full of food from the kitchen to the table. You don't get your waiter mad, and you don't get Hillary mad at you. You don't. 
You get Hillary mad at you, they'll find you in some national park with four bullet holes in your head, five guns laying on the ground, and six notes laying around saying, Hillary didn't know anything about this. But, um, and so I told the guy, and honest, honest, I, didn't, I wasn't mad. I just said, I said, no, that's okay. I said, I appreciate that. And I did, I said, I appreciate that. But I said, we'll go someplace else. We got in our truck, didn't go a quarter mile down the road, probably went 100 yards, pulled into a restaurant, walked in, here's your menus, here's your water, we got a meal. Guys, they can't wait on you if they don't notice you. You know what I think is sad? Because I, let me tell you this, I preach in the best churches on the planet. That's you. Now, I, and there's no pride in that. Um, here's why I say that, all right? I think independent, King James, Bible-believing Baptist are the best. Why? Because we're right. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you right about salvation by grace? Yes, yeah. Aren't you right about eternal security? Aren't you right about getting baptized after you get saved? Okay, that's called Baptist. I'm not, I'm not proud when I say I'm a Baptist. I just think we're right. That's not a proud thing. If you go to a church of Christ, you know why they, people go there? Because they think they're right. You know why people go to Mormons? Because they think they're right. You never met anybody and said, how come you're a Jehovah's Witness? Well, because I think they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm so right about everything else. I decided to be wrong about my soul. Everybody that goes to a church, why do Catholics go to a Catholic church? Because they think they're right, right? So I think Baptist is right, but I'm not just a Baptist. I'm an independent Baptist. You know what that means? There's no hierarchy. You're a pastor. How long have you been here, preacher? How long? 17, 18 years. I haven't even asked him this, but I guarantee you what I'm about to tell you is correct. In 17, over 17 years being pastor of this church, I'll guarantee you he has never gotten a call from some hierarchy saying, now, brother, um, uh, this, uh, this coming uh, week is uh, Right to Life Sunday. We want you to preach an anti-abortion message. Now, I'm for that, but nobody recalled him, told him that. Oh, how about this one? This is June. This is Gay Pride Month. So have a gay pride. No, no, no. Do you know that, that there's nobody higher on this church than your pastor? Amen. Right? You're not a member of anything. We're not, nobody, there's, so, so I'm a Baptist, but I'm an independent Baptist. But I go beyond that because there's a lot of independent Baptists don't know where the Bible is. And our folks know where the Bible is. And I'm in independent King James Bible-believing Baptist churches, and everybody is so busy trying to get God to wait on them that they never notice Him. Have you noticed Him? Amen. Doesn't a waiter or waitress, when they wait on you, isn't this their question? What would you like? Right? What will you have? And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, listen to your own morning prayers and see if they aren't this. Here's what I'd like. Here's what I want you to do for me. Here's how you can put a smile on my face today. Guys, isn't that like only 180 degrees out? Amen. Yeah. You know one of the things that I, 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 I think of mankind? And mankind, if you put a target up here, and that would be a good thing to shoot at, the target. But anyway, uh, you put a target up here, and right dead center is the will of God. And man takes a shot. Not only does he not hit the target, he doesn't hit the wall. If, if there's the target God wants him to shoot at and, and wants to try to achieve, you know where man hits? That wall back there. Isn't that what they did in Jonah? Jonah said, hey, guys, uh, God wants you to throw me overboard. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you better throw me overboard. If you want this storm to stop, you better throw me overboard. That's what God wants. Okay. And what did he say? Row harder. Let me ask you this, guys. Don't you believe in salvation by grace? What does the world teach? Work. Is that not 180 degrees out? 
So we get up every morning 180 degrees off course. We are shooting at that wall telling God every morning, here's how you can put a smile on my face. When we ought to be getting up saying, how can I put a smile on your face? We don't even notice him. None of you wake up and say, oh, what can I do for him today? You get up and think, here's what he can do for me today. Isn't that true? Well, you got to notice him. Back, I think it was, uh, I think it was 1992, I was in Europe uh, and uh, priest in several countries over there. And we were in uh, Austria, Austria. And I went in, we went to this, re this restaurant in Austria with the missionary and some, some other people. And we sat down, <clears throat> and I will, I will be honest, I will be honest, uh, Americans are spoiled in a good way. Don't you expect good service? Yeah. I expect good service. And again, no waiter. We're sitting at the table, no waiter, no waitress. I go, and she goes, oh, don't worry, they'll be here. They'll, they'll, you know, he's used to it, he'll be here. So not only is nobody coming to our table, but over here, sitting all by himself at a table, is some guy smoking a cigarette, having a cup of coffee, and staring daggers through us. I mean, he's got this cup of coffee and staring at his daggers like that. And I thought, he must remember how the war turned out. Okay? We won. And nobody's coming around. Nobody's giving us any menus. Nobody's giving us water. Nobody's saying, I'll be with you in a minute. And Mr. Daggers is, is I'm thinking he's going to come over and, like, you know, beat us with a, a, a hammer with a swastika on or something. And then finally a cigarette, he's done with it, puts it out, leaves his empty coffee cup, and comes over and waits on us. He was our waiter. And I think he just didn't like the fact that he's trying to enjoy his cup of coffee and cigarette. And what could be worse than have somebody that you're supposed to wait on, somebody you're supposed to serve, mess up your coffee break? And Americans live at a coffee break. Americans live, guys, let me tell you, let me tell you, if you were around in the 70s, 19, 1970s, uh, if you were around in those, here's how I describe them. In the 1970s of this country, you know what the lost world thought? They thought they were on this planet for one purpose and one purpose only, to enjoy life. I don't even mean evil. I don't mean, you know, bad. They just thought they were here to water ski or, or, or hike or whatever, you know. There were some bad things in there, but they just thought they were here to enjoy life. And in 1970, you know what Christians thought? They thought they were here to serve God. Even if they weren't serving God, they knew they were wrong and had to get right. Today, the lost world still thinks it's here to enjoy life. But now Christians have convinced that that's what they're here for. Only Christians think they got to leg up on the world because they're not going to do it with sex and drugs and booze. We're going we're gonna to have a party. Everybody wants to be at a party today in America. Everybody, everything is celebrated. You ever notice that? Now when they die, it's not a funeral. We're celebrating. Their, everything's a celebration. We're celebrating their life. They celebrate everything. And we all want to be at a party. You know where Baptists want to be? They want to be at a tailgate party. We're going to, listen, we're just going to grill burgers and drink Diet Coke. We're not going to do anything bad and talk about the Bible. Then the pastor comes by and says, hey, guys, let's go down the street and knock on some door. Pastor, we're not doing anything wrong here. You're messing up our party. That's where we are. We all believe that, that he is up there for one purpose and one purpose only. Every morning he gets up, wringing his hands, going, oh, I hope I please him today. That is 180 degrees out from reality. We're supposed to be pleasing him, and we're living at that wall back there, saying he's supposed to please us. Guys, you know what? We don't even notice him. You know what? I mean, what? What are you going to give God? I told you. You can't make anything. You can't hurt him. You can't help him. So, hey, he's already in heaven, and he speaks, and people 
uh, you know, they, they, create, they, they come into existence. He's got angels talking how glorious he is every day. He's got his. I just want this. But a good waiter or waitress notices you. A good waiter or waitress. You know when I go into a restaurant, you know what I am not interested in? I am not interested in the waiter or waitress's favorite meal at that restaurant. You ever have one tell you, oh, I, oh here's what I get. I don't like squid eyeballs. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. A good waiter or waitress, they, they bring you what you want. Isn't that true? They're supposed to bring you it. You say, oh, brother, that's not hard. Are you kidding me? Did you ever order something and get something else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the poor thing died in vain. I mean, I have had some poor animals. I felt sorry. Should he brought the skin? Give me the skin. I'll make gloves out of it because I'm not profiting from this animal's death. Guys, they bring you what you want. Um, uh, I was with a bunch of preachers. We went out to eat. And this one preacher, he didn't know just what to get. And he's looking at this one meal. I can't remember what it was. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go to filter tips. <coughs> the pell-mells are killing me. But anyway... Uh, and so this guy asked this waitress. Now, this is back when, when uh, Clinton was in the White House. Okay, that's how far back this was. And, uh, and, he, and he asked, he, he, he shows her something. He, he, says, um, he says, how's this? Oh, she goes, oh, that's, that's one of our, our, I love that one. And so he ordered it. And I'm telling you, if anything died in vain, whatever that thing was, it had died in vain. And he got this. I mean, it was not, it was not, not good. You know, you can eat something that's not good. It's hard to eat it when it's bad. Okay, and and he and he's it's terrible, and she comes back, you know, after a while, and, and he goes, "Ma'am, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, you probably shouldn't recommend this. This is, this is just not good. You really liked it," and she said, "Well, honestly, I've never had it." Wow. Lied through her teeth. I said, "You better watch that lion lady. You're liable to end up in the White House." <laughs> but. You know what I want them to bring? I want them to bring what I want. Um, I'm not a salad person, okay? I eat salad. I eat lettuce. I don't eat salad. I eat lettuce. You know, what's wrong? you know what's wrong with salad? Too much green. But I don't like purple and orange either, all right? So here, here's how it is. I guess I'm a meat guy because there's just something about knowing something is cowering in a corner Knowing you're going to kill it, skin it, and eat it makes it taste better. Doesn't it, guys? I mean, if they came up with a hybrid head of lettuce that ah, screamed when you picked it, I might be interested in salad, okay? So I'm not a big salad guy. But did you ever go to one of those, one of those little, well, greasy spoon restaurants? Do you know why they're called a greasy spoon? Because the spoons are greasy. That's why. We went into a greasy spoon. This was back when all, th all three kids were with us, and Luke was a baby. And we went into this greasy spoon. We, have a, we had a game, me and the boys would play. Did you ever notice like salt shakers are shaped like this? You know, they're, they're wide at the bottom and, and narrow at the top. And we would play this game. We, we would try to, we'd try to pick it up and, and see how far we get off the table before it slid through our fingers back down. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've done a lot. And we go into this greasy spoon uh, and... And they had, a hair, they had a high chair like from the 30s. It didn't even have a strap. But that's okay because when you put the baby in, he sticks. <laughs> I mean, you could turn the thing upside down and shake it. He's there, brother. He's there. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's still there. 
He's like 38 years old going, can I get out of the chair now? Um, I, I had a short sleeve shirt on. And I'm sitting like this with my arm on the table. Do you ever do this? And you pick your arm up and the skin just stays to the table. Uh, the waitress came over and she said, uh, what can I do for you? And I, I, I said, on my fork, I said, well, could you, give me, could you give me a clean fork? I said, looks like the last guy had eggs. <laughs> really? I said, did she give you a clean fork? No, she charged me for the eggs. <laughs> and so you go to some of those greasy spoons sometimes, and here's what they said. They have a, they have a special. You know what the special is? You get salad. And then you get the main course, and then you get dessert. Now, we're not dessert people, but for a special, I'll go through a salad to get the dessert. And the dessert was a bowl of ice cream. And I was hoping to be president, so I thought, I'll, I'll get used to eating ice cream. <laughs> and so we ordered this, okay? Young girl comes out, and she takes our order, walks into the kitchen, comes back out five minutes later with our ice cream. We haven't even, I, was, I, I felt like, uh, yeah, who was it, John Paul Jones? I have not yet begun to eat. We haven't taken a bite. We haven't got a salad. And she brought out a bowl of ice cream for each of us. And, and all the time that we're going through the food, and, and we just watched it. I thought of global warming. I said, look, one of the ice caps has gone down now. I mean, we drank it when we were done. It was, it was like ice cream soup. Guys. When I go into a restaurant, I want what I want. And I want them to bring me what I want, okay? And if, well, you know, well, I don't, I don't think you should eat meat. Well, I don't think you should talk. <laughs> How about you do that, and then I'll, I'll try yours, okay? So, guys, I don't care. I want what I want. And I'm not a brat. I'm, I'm not. I don't give them hard times. I never, I never give a, a, a waiter or waitress a hard time. I never do. Uh, and I don't complain about them. But when I go in, they're there to please me, right? And so they should bring you what you want. This is a big one with me. <clears throat> a good waiter or waitress sweats the little things. Do you know what little things are? I told you this morning, uh, I like a baked potato. Maybe you like a loaded baked potato so you get it drunk. But um, uh, I like a baked potato and I tell my waiters or waitresses, I said, look, I got one artery left that is not clogged. We want to finish it today. Bring enough butter. Attempt to kill me. And they bring two pats of butter. Two. And they're made out of mahogany. They have been in the freezer since 1958. If you drop them on the floor, they're going to chip. Somebody's going to lose an eye. All right. Who is it that thought you bring frozen butter and then you're supposed to put it on bread? Did you ever do that and you do this and the bread just rips and peels right up over top? I mean, nothing happens. And I, and so, and, and I, or here's what we do, my wife and I, we use a lot of cream. You say, how much is that? A lot! Bring a cow! You get them little cream things. Did you know that two of them is not a lot? I say I'd like a lot of cream and, and a lot of butter. And they bring me two pats of frozen butter and two little things. And I go, would you like a lot of a tip? Because if they said I'd like a lot of money for a tip, I'm going to give them $2 only because I can't tear one in half. <laughs> but isn't that funny? Uh, you know why? You say, well, no, you're being a brat. No, I'm not a being a brat. Did you ever try to, did you ever put cold butter on a cold potato? 
Well, they should bring out a hot potato. It was when they brought it out 40 minutes ago. It was cold by the time they finally got around to bringing the butter. Um, yeah, we need a little more salad dressing. Why? Because I can still see the green. You know, did you ever, we need some more sweetener. You know, um, a few years ago, decade, I guess, I had to lose some weight, so I lost some weight. Now, I'm going to tell and say this. I'm going to say this shamelessly. I'm going to say this without apology. I like sugar. Oh, you mean, you mean the stuff that's like raw sugar that has a... No, 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 no. I, I like the stuff that is bleached absolutely white and has zero food value. I like sugar, okay? I like sugar. Uh, I have not told many people about this, but I do have a health problem. Uh, it's, a, it's a medical problem. <clears throat> and on occasion, I, su I, I uh, suffer from glaze withdrawal. This is bad, okay? Fortunately, Krispy Kreme, Tim Hortons, and Dunkin' Donuts have put up emergency clinics all over the country. <laughs> and every now and then, I feel like, oh, oh, babe, babe, my, my glaze level is low. Guys, if I pass out here, just cut that vein right there. Put a little glaze. Oh, yeah, that's all right. I'm okay. I like, I like sugar. And I, 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 this happened. I was preaching one time, and I was preaching about, about how good sugar is. And, and this young guy comes down, and uh, did you ever have one of those people that is talking to you, but looking through you? They come down, they go like this. He comes and goes, could I ask you a question? And I thought, can you get two in a row? I'm like, that was a pretty good one. I don't know if you can do this again, you know. And I go, yeah, shoot. He goes, he goes well, you offended me. I feel bad. Doesn't feel bad. I said, how? He goes, you talked about sugar like it's good to eat. I said, well, I tried smoking it, pal, once. I said, that don't work. I said, I said, drip down on your chin. It's worse than hot pizza cheese. Do you ever have that happen where it slaps on you? It just gives you a third-degree burn shaped like this. Man, that sugar. You like that sugar, brother. It will burn holes in you when it drips off. And so, uh, you know, and, and he goes like this. He goes, he goes, Sugar's just dope. I know. I told you I like sugar. Anyway. <coughs> and then he said this. He said, I quit eating sugar, and it cleared up half my mind. Now, how come I think most of you just had the same thought just now that I had when he said that? I wanted to say, we need to check your diet, bucko. There's something else you need to quit. Because you are only about halfway across the river, all right? There's so, you're not made, you've not made it to the other shore. Something else has got to come out of your diet because the whole mind is not clean, cleaned up. So, so I like sugar. And did you ever notice this? Uh, no matter what you do, there's always a brother in Christ to tell you why you're doing it wrong. And so I was with this one guy one time. Amen. Same guy, you know. Uh, and, and I was losing weight because of this. I lost like 60-some pounds. And, um, and, and, I, he, and he asked me, how do I so I quit eating sugar? You know, I like sugar. I like sugar today. But I use the sweet and low, the pink ones. And when I pick these up to put in my coffee, he goes, he goes, that kills brain cells. And I said, I, I've heard that. I have. I've heard that. I said, but, I said, it's no problem. I said, I monitor myself very closely. And I said, if reality TV ever gets interesting to me, 
I said, no more sweet and low. I'm going back to sugar. When, when, listen, when I tell Kathy, we need to get home, I want to watch Dancing with the Stars. No, no, no. I'm going to say, put, put five teaspoons of sugar. We got some brain cells to recover. Are you men? You're going to watch. You watch. You're going to be watching figure skating pretty soon. I'm going to, I'm going to watch Dancing with the Stars. I want to watch, I want to watch uh, Cupcake Wars. What is that? Is where two people get on the other side of the room and throw cupcakes at each other? I mean, what is this stuff? Reality TV is not real. I was, uh, I was, I can't remember what. Minnesota, I think. Minnesota. We're the pastor. We go by a storage place. He goes, that's the place. I said, what? He said, uh, that's the storage area where they, I guess, have a, a reality pre program called Storage Wars. He said, that's where they film it. I saw. He said, you know what they do? I said, no. He says, they, they rent an empty unit. The whole thing is faked. They bring in their million-dollar grandfather clock or whatever it is. Then they bring in a bunch of yard sale stuff that we have in our house. Uh, then they bring in these four heavy hitter betters, and then they bring in a bunch of walk-ons that, 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 you know, yesterday or five minutes ago, they were holding the sign down at the interstate. And he said, every one of them is fake. Oh, I probably broke some of your hearts. You mean reality TV is not real? Yeah, what did you expect? So if that ever, you know, when I find, when I'm going to watch, now, I remember was uh, tow truck wars. Now, that sounded good. I thought, they must just drive into each other until there's one running. This ought to be good. That's not it at all. I can still remember. This guy, he, he, he's lifting about a 1965 Chevy with tires this big. Okay? And these four little Mexican guys come up there with their little strap T-shirt and them, those, those short pants that, you know, he takes two steps before they take one. And the guy comes up and goes, put down the car. Well, well I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you know, I, I can't. Uh, uh, you know, I got, I'm supposed to pick this car. No, you're not taking my car. Put the car down. Well, well I'm, I'm sorry, sir, but, you know, I, they, I, I'm surprised. It's not me. It's not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just doing my job. I'm supposed to put down the car. Well, I, I can't. So the guy walks off camera, comes back on with a nickel-plated 9mm, because that looks better on TV. And he's got, this, he's, got the, he's got this 9mm that's sticking out of his pants so you can see it. And he goes, we can do this easy way or the hard way. <laughs> and I will guarantee you there's people watch that and went, he oh, almost killed him on TV. Are you kidding me? Do you understand? You're looking at, at the, the, truck, the tow truck guy and four guys and five feet away from him, like as far as I am from this guy here in the front pew, there's 27 people with aircraft landing lights and cameras. I want to say, hey, hey, Pablo, look left. You're, you're on national TV. I guarantee you somebody went, oh, he was going to kill him. He wasn't going to kill him. They're probably brother-in-laws. <laughs> well, maybe he was going to kill him. Anyway, guys, guys, I think you ought to sweat the little things. And you know what you get? Did you ever get this happen? They, they bring it out. I don't know why they even ask. They bring your food out. And they go, now, is there anything else I can do for you? And I say, what do you care? I'm not going to see you until your kid graduates. Because they walk away, and, and you say this, uh, yeah, I, I, need, I, need, I need more butter. Or I need some creamer for the coffee. Or I'm trying to kill some more brain cells. Bring me the pink sweetener. Now, I like, I like sweet coffee. 
You're, if you like, do you, if you're out there, don't raise your hand. If you like sweet coffee, and there's no way to put sweetener in it until they bring it, do you want them to wait until it's cold? So they go off, and here's what they think. Butter's a little thing. I mean, I brought them out a plate full of food. Butter's just a little thing. Sweetener's just a little thing. I'm not going to go all the way back to the kitchen and all the way back to that booth or that table just to get that. But I'm going to be back on that side of the restaurant sometime in September, and I'll take that to them when I get over there. You know what our problem is? Now, let me tell you what I think about you guys. And I'll use language that I'm allowed to. I don't think I'm talking to a room full of serial killers. I don't think I'm talking to child molesters. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm talking to people who you dress up to come to church to try to impress somebody, make them think that you're, you're a very good person. And as soon as you go around the corner, you turn into Jack the Ripper. I don't believe that. I really don't. I think if you've got sin in your life, it's not something that would make the headlines. It's just a little thing. And you know why you keep doing it? Because you read the headlines. And you go, well, I'm not like that. And I'm not doing that. I'm certainly not like the guys that are running the country. I just got a little thing. Guys, we don't get the sin out of our life because it's just little things. And we think nobody knows it's a little thing. Everybody knows it's a little thing. Let me tell you this. You may not know. There are only two colors of people. Now, if you think what I just said was talking about skin, no, I'm not talking about skin. I guess by skin, there's a whole bunch of colors of people. I'm talking about soul. Uh, I know we sing this, and I'm not going to change it when I sing it, but it's wrong. Have you ever seen that song, you know, when sin was as black as could be? Sin's not black. There's nothing in the Bible that says sin is black. The Bible says sin is red. Come now, let us reason together your sins be as scarlet. Not as coal, as scarlet. They should be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be as wool. When God looks down this planet, you know what he sees? He sees souls. So when, imagine this. Imagine, you ever see like a, you ever see like a, a, um, a camera, a picture of, of people where, where all you see is the, at night, where all you see the people, they just look like white silhouettes. When God looks down here, he sees people who are all red or all white. If they're all red from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, they're lost. If they're white, when you guys, again, again, guys, guys, 53 years ago, I got down on my knees, crimson, red, scarlet, and I get off my knees, white as snow. And if you got on your knees red as crimson and got off your knees white as snow, you got saved, I have good news for you. You will never again be red from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Amen. But let me ask you a question. You ever eat spaghetti? But did you ever wear spaghetti? If I came to preach to you tonight, and let's say uh, for supper, dinner this afternoon, uh, you know, I had maybe spaghetti, and right here, I had a little red spot. You know what you'd be doing all the time I'm preaching? You'd be noticing that spot, wouldn't you? And you go, you, you think that's tomato sauce? You think that's strawberry jelly? You know, you put some strawberry jelly on it. You think it's ketchup? Blood? You would not know what it is, right? but you'd notice it's there. And you know what I would say? If you came up after church and said, hey, you wore a dirty shirt today. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. The cuffs are okay. The sleeves are okay. The collar's okay. The back is okay. 
this side, the shirt. I got one little spot. You notice a little spot? Everybody notices a spot. Have you ever done it? Something wrong there. I don't know what it is. But there's something wrong there. You know what you're saying? I see a spot. And then you find out what the spot is, and it's very, a terrible revelation. Isn't that true? Guys, do you know why some of you won't get rid of your sin? Just a spot. It's just a little thing. Guys, I, I don't believe any, look, I really believe the guy in the White House is a pedophile, child molester. I believe it. I believe he's a communist. Uh, I believe that whole Democratic crew is, uh, they're perverts, they're murderers, they're evil people. And don't, don't worry, there's a bunch of Republicans trying to be like them. The Republicans aren't my hope. And I believe this. I don't believe there's one person in this room that is anything as evil as they are. But you got a spot. And you know why you don't do anything about it? Because it's just a little thing. That's what a waiter or waitress said. Well, I brought them a steak. They're going to get upset about a pat of butter. Yeah. I brought them out some fried chicken. I'm making myself hungry. Anyway, I brought them out some fried chicken. So what if I didn't bring enough cream for the coffee? It's just a little thing. And that is how we excuse ourselves. We have a spot. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Never again, ever will you be red from the top of your head, the bottom of your feet. But you get a spot. It's just a little thing. Uh, let me tell you this. I believe in this. Now, 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 let me explain. I believe in this in a waiter or waitress. I don't necessarily believe this in life. Let me tell you what the difference between a man and a woman is. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Um, but let me, about the way we look at things, here's what a man thinks. If a job needs done, you do it, right? A woman thinks you do it with a good attitude. I don't care about an attitude. If I got somebody painting my house, I want the house painted. I don't care if the guy is mad about something in his life. I couldn't care less. Men don't care about attitude. Men want the job done. Here's what, here's what a man does. His teenage kid, he's walking out. Hey, whoa, whoa, where are you going? Uh, well, the guy's having a football game. I, whoa, whoa, I told you you're not doing anything until you mow the grass. Mow the grass first. Well, Dad, Dad, they're going to be starting in about 10 minutes. It's going to take me an hour to mow the grass. Then you better get started, buddy. Mow the grass. Now, that's what a man does. Now, let me tell you, parents, men, have some sense. Never buy your teenage son an electric lawnmower. You do not want an irate teenage boy mowing the grass with something that makes no noise. No, no, no. Get a gas one. Take the muffler off. Because you're going to see him going. He's going out across the back. I mean, he is taking the top off of the roots. He is slinging rocks into the side of the car. And your wife says, oh, look, he's singing. And you oh, he's not singing. <laughs> I hate mowing the grass. I wish the stupid mower would blow up. He's got an electric mower. He can't say anything. He's going to get ulcers. If you're a teenage kid and you're an ulcer, I'll bet you got, got an ulcer. I'll bet you got an electric mower. And then he gets done mowing the grass. And the old man says, uh, leave it there, son. Go play your game. You can put it away and get home. So he goes and plays the game. Hits harder than he ever has. Then he comes home. He pushes the mower into the garage. And who is standing there like Mr. Clean? Mother. Um, I saw you out mowing the grass. Yeah, yeah, well, Dad told me I was supposed to mow the grass. And I was, so I mowed the grass for a while. Yes, I know you mowed the grass. But it didn't count. 
because you didn't have a good attitude. <laughs> God save us from a good attitude. <laughs> Do you know why we are free? Because somewhere, some sergeant, some lieutenant told some private, they're coming right down through here and they're going to overwhelm us. We're all going to drop back about a quarter of a mile and set up a line of defense. You get behind this 30 caliber machine gun and hold them off as long as you can. He didn't have to say it, but you're never going home. And that guy might sit behind that machine, machine gun with a picture of a wife he knows he's never going to kiss and kids he's never going to hug again. And he doesn't have a good attitude about what's going to happen today. But he did his job, and they set up the line of defense and carried the day. I couldn't care less. <laughs> Don't mess with me. <laughs> I couldn't care less about a good attitude. We're all waiting around for a good attitude. Now, just do what you're supposed to do. But <laughs> mom, mommy. Oh, anyway, um, when I have a waiter or waitress, I want them to have a good attitude. Did you ever meet? You know, guys, look, look, if you don't like working with people, you know, in public, go get a job at a coal mine. I mean, why would you work with the, with the public if you don't like the public? Did you ever have a waiter or waitress? And after they got done taking your order or talking to you, you went, well, they like their job. Right? I mean, they just got a bad attitude. Now, I, I, was, um, I think I was telling your pastor this. I teach preaching uh, at our Bible Institute. And I teach the great truth of preaching. There's one great truth of preaching. If you get this down, you can be a great preacher. I'm serious. Not a joke. Not overstatement. If you can get down what I'm about to say, you can be a great preacher. And here's what it is. In lieu of conviction intimidation will work. So what do you mean? When we preach, you know what I hope? I hope that I say something that is so correct that the Holy Spirit taps you on the heart and says, ah, you know he's right, you need to take care of that. That's called conviction. But if I can't get the Holy Spirit in here, then I will guilt trip you into thinking you're under conviction. I'm going to show you how this works. Watch. I'm going I'm to put you all under, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put you under conviction. I'm going to intimidate all of you and you're going to think you're under conviction. And you cannot stop me. Have you? In my power. Don't make me turn the lights out again. <laughs> All right, watch this. You got lost people in your city? You don't want them to go to hell, right? Right. See, I got you. And how many of you witnessed to a hundred people this last week to try to save their soul from... I didn't witness to a hundred people. You don't really love souls. I don't really love souls. That's not conviction. That's intimidation. Man, when a guy just makes you feel guilty, that's it. That's just, that's intimidation. And there's, and there's always people, it's kind of like they want to have the junior Holy Spirit, the office of the junior. Do you ever have those people? Why did you do that? What do you care? So here's what happened. I was not here this day. There were some preachers, they're having lunch. We're Baptists, man, we eat. And then when we're done, we eat. Actually, these four preachers are, are um, you know, they're having, having uh, lunch or something. And the waitress was like Attila the Hun. I mean, just bad attitude, okay? And she was crass and rude and not very good. And finally, when this preacher said something to her, he said, he said, ma'am, he said, you have been rude since we got here? 
you have, you have you've not been very nice, and you're working with the public, you should do better. He, he wasn't unkind to her, but he just told her the truth. And as she walks, she walks away, one of the other preachers who, who thought he was the Holy Spirit said, how do you know she didn't just have a tragedy in her life? How do you know somebody that she loves just didn't just die? Now, you see how you feel guilty? You know what my answer to that is? How does she know I didn't just have a tragedy in my life? How does she know I didn't just have somebody I love just die? Isn't that right? You know what I tell my young men? I said, I don't care what happens just right before the service. I don't care if the bottom falls out of your world. You walk up to that pulpit and fake it. Don't let them know anything is wrong. I am so tired of everybody getting up and playing the violin and telling you what, what the, the grief that they have had. And a good waiter waitress has a good attitude. They don't have to be dancing and bubbly, but they've got to have a good attitude. Guys, is this not true? You, take, you ever take your wife out and you want to have a nice evening and it would have been the meal was good, your evening was good, except for the attitude of your waiter waitress? Yeah. There's a place up in Montana, Del Montana. Del Montana, uh, I believe there's probably more people in this room than in the entire town of Del Montana. Del Montana, uh, I think it might have a gas station, and it has a restaurant. And in that restaurant, now this has been years ago, so this lady's probably dead, which makes De Del Montana a much nicer place. <coughs> she was the waitress in, the in this restaurant. Her name was Ruth. I think her last name was Les. And I'm pretty sure, you know, in a former life, she was like a, a, a professional wrestler or something. Ruth was as crude and crass. In fact, that was a drawing card. That, they, the people came just to have Ruth insult them. She, didn't, she wouldn't say, what would you like? She wouldn't go, what do you want? I'd like you to shut up. That's why. Anyway, and, and I had this preacher, now I understood this. He said, I took my in-laws there. I thought, well, I can understand why you take your mother-in-law to a place like that. Okay, they deserve each other. And he said, my mother-in-law ordered trout. Here's what Ruth does. She does. She walks up and she goes, what do you want? Well, I said, well, what do you want? I mean, just like she's accusing you. So he said, she goes off to the kitchen and he said, I am sitting where I can see the kitchen. I can see her coming. And my mother-in-law is facing me, so she doesn't see behind her. And she said, I see Ruth bringing out her, her, her trout and these dinners. And she's, she said, my mother-in-law was talking to her husband, and Ruth sticks her big old hairy arm right between the two of them and plops this trout down in front of this lady, fully equipped. Head, eyes, everything it had when it came out of the water, it is still there. Brother, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time eating something that's looking at me. And, and it startled this woman. And she went, oh, Ruth, what's the matter? Oh, my God. Just not used to my fish having the head on it. <laughs> that better? That's the truth. That's the truth. Oh, see, that's funny. But if I want to take my wife out for a nice night, I'm going to take her there. I wouldn't take her there. You know, there's some nice restaurants out of there, but, but, but you know, everything is boom and bang and noise, and oh, I just want to have a nice evening with my wife. And if a waiter or waitress doesn't have a good attitude, guys, do you understand this? Do you understand? I told you this morning, if all you got was saved, you made out good, and nobody just got saved. None of you got only saved. 
you downloaded the whole CD just like I did. You got the new life. You got the opportunity to serve him. You became a son of God. You went from red to white. Isn't that true? I am looking at people who have the honor of serving this God. And you get up on Sunday morning and go, eh, we got to go to church again. Whoa, whoa, what are you saying? What, what, nobody in Hollywood died for you. Why are you so loyal to them? Amen. I told you, you know what you do for a friend? You defend your friend. And you hear some, your favorite movie star or your favorite athlete, you, you hear some horrible thing they did and you start defending them. You know what this book says? If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And you will defend your football players and you'll defend your favorite movie star. You won't defend your pastor with that vehemence. That vehemence. You won't defend God. Guys, we're supposed to have a good attitude about this. You ought to have a, a good attitude. Uh, I believe, a, and I'm just about done. Just uh, hang on a second. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 24, 84, 85, 86, 86. Maybe we should order out. This is true. A good waiter waitress checks on you regularly. I have had waiters or waitresses. I said, I want a lot of butter. They brought a lot of butter. I want a lot of creamer. They brought a lot of cream. Man, we were in a restaurant not long. I said, I want a lot of cream. This guy brought a soup bowl full of those little cream things. He, bought a, he brought a thing about this big with nothing but pink sweeteners in it. I said, you're trying to kill me. I love it. But do you ever have somebody, they did everything you wanted, they got it exactly right, and then they walk off, never to be seen again. I don't know if they're kidnapped by Muslims, if it's been a select rapture, or they just decided to quit right after they put the food on the table. Have you ever had one? They never, they perfected. You even see them, they walk past your table, but they're perfected walking past you and never make eye contact. I, I'll go like this. I'll go, I mean, here's what I'm doing. Here's my water glass. Whoops. I almost threw that. <laughs> anyway, that's not much water. And I'll go, uh, I put it out like this at the edge. I told Kathy, I said, you think if I shatter this on the floor, they'll notice us? You know, you drop some silverware, clang, 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 clang. You know, you think, how do you get their attention? You look at your waiter or waitress, and they're on the other side of the restaurant, either playing a game on their phone or talking to somebody about where they're going on vacation. And they never check back. Do you ever have one never check back? My, 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 what are we doing? What are we doing that we're so stinking busy? We're too busy to check back. And think about this, guys. Do you know how many people you have to serve? One. Everybody in this room, you have only one customer. Isn't that true? You don't have, you don't have a table full of people. You don't, have, you don't have several booths and tables. You don't have a roaring drunk at the bar. You got one customer that you were put here to please, to put a smile on his face. He's got nail holes in his hands. Is that not true? And you never check. Boy, I've had him come back, and, and nothing blessed me when, when I see my water glass getting like that, and, and the next thing I know, they're pouring it up. I don't know why this is. Chinese restaurants, they take care of your water glass. Buddy, I mean, right now, they are ready on water. Maybe that's because they don't want to sell anything else. I don't know what it is. And 
And I mean, man, there it is. Uh, I've, I've watched my coffee cup and it's starting to get empty and boom, it got filled up. And they go, is there anything else you need? Uh, is there something else I can get you? You know what they're doing? They're trying to make sure you have a pleasurable ex experience because that is what they're there for, that you enjoy yourself that evening. Isn't that true? So let me ask you something. When is the last time? When is the last time in your glorious prayer life you ever got down on your knees and said this? Am I doing okay? Is there something I've been overlooking? Have I, have I gotten you everything that you wanted? Is there something else I can get you? Guys, we don't check on our, 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 our master regularly. Amen. We go back regularly and tell him, you can do this for me. We got it backwards. And so a good waiter waitress checks on you regularly. This is, uh, this is about the last one. A good waiter or waitress impresses you. I'll bet you, I'll bet you if you've been, if you're very old, you've been out eating, I'll bet you look back and, and think of a waiter or a waitress and they just went above and beyond the call of duty. Man, when I get a waiter and waitress, they're doing good. I will tell them, I'll say, you are, you are, your service is tremendous. I really, I tell them the truth. I said, man, it's times like this. I wish I believed in tipping. <laughs> you know what I've done? I have, I have had them, I'll say, could you have your manager come to the table? And they think, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Or I'll be walking out, and I'll, I'll see somebody, I'll say, you the manager? Yeah. And I'll say, look, I just want to let you know, we have had whoever he is or she is, I said, that's our waiter waitress. And I said, their service has been tremendous. We will always make sure we compliment them to the management. But if I've had a bad waiter waitress, we don't go to the manager and say they're bad. I am not, I'm not crude, I'm not mean. And, and we don't, we don't be trying not to be bad customers. But man, if you had a good waiter waitress, you'll get one you'll never forget. Let me tell you about the waiter that impressed me. I have never forgotten this waiter. It was back when I was pastoring. Uh, I pastored in upstate New York uh, for about five years. Uh, I left there in 1986. I, I got out on good behavior. And while I was pastoring, about eight, eight, eight of the guys in the church one morning, we went out to dinner. We went out to, to breakfast. And we went to a Ma Pa restaurant. So you mean Greasy Spoon? No, no, Ma Pa. Ma washes it. It's the, same, it's the same restaurant. If nobody cleans it up, it becomes a Greasy Spoon. If they keep it clean, it's, Ma, it's Ma Pa. And so we go to this Ma Pa restaurant. I got nine guys here. Every, now, you know breakfast is a really, I, it's probably the most complicated meal because you can have three guys, four guys, order the same thing, eggs, and all want them different. Uh, I want mine where I don't have to swallow them. I just pour them down the throat. I want mine fried hard. I want mine the white hard and the yellow. Uh, I want mine scrambled. I want mine scrambled with cheese. I want mine dry scrambled. I want mine wet scrambled. I mean, you could, you could have two guys, three guys, four guys order the same meal and still, well, I want my bacon crisp. I want mine where I can wrap it around my finger. Our waiter comes out. I've never seen a waiter like this in my life. He's about this tall, and he had to be the entire backfield for the high school football team. The kid has no neck. He walks out like this. He didn't even have a pad to write anything down. He just told us what we were getting, and we ate it. <coughs> this kid comes out. I notice he's not, he's got nothing to write on. 
He's very nice. And he says, uh, what do you have? So I told him, you know, what I wanted, how I wanted it. I mean, come on, guys. You don't just get toast. I want white toast. I want wheat toast. I want raisin bread toast. You know, everybody, I mean, it's, I want rye. Isn't that right? You would have the same meal. So it's all these variations. And this guy didn't write a thing. He didn't, uh, he didn't write a thing down that I said. And then he asked the next guy, what do you have? And I looked at this kid and I thought, this is going to be a memorable breakfast. <laughs> One way or the other, okay? I mean, you know, I just ordered two eggs over medium and he's going to bring me spaghetti. <laughs> and I'm going to eat it because I saw the kid. And this guy goes through nine people, never writes anything down. So all the time we're talking, I can't get my mind on conversation because my mind is in the kitchen. I want to see the rest of the story. And pretty soon I see this kid coming out. He brings out everything we ordered exactly as it was ordered, put it down in front of the exact person that ordered. It wasn't even a case of, oh, excuse me, you gave me their wheat toast. I need that. No, no. Nothing was misplaced. Nothing was, was cooked wrong. Every single guy got exactly what they wanted, exactly the way they wanted it, and laid out in front of them. Nothing got crossed up. My, my. That's impressive. I have since then. I've had several of them do that. But you know, it's one thing when somebody comes out without a writing pad and, and asks Kathy and I, it's just two of us, but when you've got nine people and it's breakfast and there's all that variation, and this guy never missed it, never missed it. And you know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you about a young man. I, I don't even know what his name was. I think he was probably about 18 years old, maybe 19 years old at that time. It's back in 1980, uh, 1985, maybe 98, 1986. Who, who knows how old he is? But I'm telling you about somebody that impressed me, and I, wouldn't be something. Think about this, guys. I don't, look, I don't know how you count success. I do want to get across to you. Success is not hanging over your den. It's not how many antlers it had or how long it was. Ladies, it's not how thick the carpet is or, or how many cubic or square feet you have in the house. You know what success is? If you put a smile on the face of your master when you served him. Amen. That's success. Now, can you imagine this? Imagine this, would you? God sits down at his table. And this is your day to wait on him. Say, what is my day to wait on him? Every single day of your life. And you wait on him. And you go back. And you make sure his water glass is full. And you make sure everything that he wants is exactly the way he wants it. Wouldn't it be something if he goes over and says, Michael, Gabriel, come here. Let me tell you what they did for me. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine being such a good waiter or waitress for the Lord that he tells you, he tells others how well you served him like I just told you about that young man who got everything right? Wouldn't it be nice if we impressed the Lord with our service? Oh, I know, I know that we're looking for rewards and it's going to happen. But could you imagine if we impressed him? Could you imagine if we said something, if we did something, if we went to him and said, anything else you need? Is there anything, am I doing anything wrong? Let me tell you this. One, two, three, four is our fourth motorhome. And we bought it uh, up in Michigan. And we were very near a church. And it's, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great task of taking everything out of a trailer and putting it in a new trailer. Or out of an old motorhome and putting it in a new one. Because wherever you stored it in this one, 
that place doesn't even exist on the new one. And so there was a church there, and they sent some people by to help us. And I'll never forget the one kid they sent. His name is Rusty. Rusty was 31 years old. When Rusty was 11 years old, he had cancer in his brain. And they had to remove part of his brain. And if Rusty was here tonight, you would know. You would know. You would know. Rusty's not, he, he doesn't have eight cylinders to hit on, okay? And, and here's what happened. Rusty would go into the old trailer, and we'd give him a box. And he would walk down the aisle, and he'd walk down the steps. He'd walk across the parking lot, walk up the steps the next one where my wife was. And my wife was putting all this stuff away. And every time, every single time, Rusty would set down a box, and then he would look at my wife and say this, Am I doing okay? Because I'm not very smart. And then he would go get another box, back down, back up the steps, put down... Am I doing okay? I'm not very smart. Wouldn't it be something if we get on our knees after we say we're waiting on this God, waiting on our master. Oh, we love him so much. I'm a servant of Christ. Wouldn't it be something if we did everything we could and say, am I doing okay? As if anybody knows, you know, I'm not very smart. Why don't we do something to impress our one, single, only, solitary customer. Tell me if you don't believe in this. Don't they get a tip? Don't we believe in tipping? I hope you believe in tipping. Guys, look, look. Don't, don't say that stupid thing people say. Brother, I gave him a tip. I gave him something that would tell him how to get to heaven. That's the greatest tip in the universe. You do understand they don't understand that. Give them that track and give them a decent tip. We always give a good tip. To the bad ones, we give a good tip. So what about the good ones? We recently had a waitress that was so good, her tip was larger than what we paid for the meal. You say, why? She's a good waitress. And that was a way to say thanks. And I've never met a Christian yet who doesn't hope to get a good tip. I have met one yet that when this whole thing's over, don't you get the tip when the meal's over? When all the waiting they can do for you is done, when they can't do anything more for you, that's when you give them the tip. Isn't that true? And guys, I told you this morning, he hasn't come back and you're not dead, which means we still have time to serve him. Amen. And you all want a good tip. But it's going to be based on your service. And how has that service been? I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed. With your heads bowed as pianist comes, just a moment I'm going to have a word of prayer. And after I pray, then the piano begin to play. It'd be a simple prayer. Say, what kind of a prayer? How about this? Lord, have I been doing good? Have I even noticed you? Have I been checking on you regularly? Have I I had a problem with a little thing? Because it's little, I thought it wasn't important. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things in for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Could you pray, Lord, have I been a pleasure to you today? Have I put a smile on your face? Have I even been, have I even been thinking about putting a smile on your face? I've mostly been thinking about you putting a smile on mine. And so tonight, maybe somebody needs just to say, Lord, show me what else I can do. Show me where I dropped the ball. Show me where I put my attention on something that was just not important. I want to wait on my master 
And I want to be a good waiter or waitress. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, God, for the honor and privilege that we can serve you. Thank you that you didn't overload us. You only gave us one customer, you. And I think these people all, we all call ourselves servants. But then our prayers are that you can serve us. But God, we're here to serve you. And this is the only chance we got. My prayer tonight, you look at these people who are on their knees. You listen to the prayers of people in this room right now. I don't ask you to condemn them. I don't ask you to yell at them or kick them. But somebody needs to know they've overlooked some little thing. Somebody has forgotten to check on you regularly. Somebody's been so busy waiting for you to wait on them that they have not had time to wait on you. And yet every one of them, they want a good tip. You know what my prayer is tonight? From this service, from this night until, until you take, come and take us all out of here, corporately or one by one you take us individually. My prayer tonight is that someone in this room will impress you with their service. They will do such good job you will look around heaven and say, guys, you, you have got, I got to tell you what this, this Christian did for me. And my prayer is that everybody in this room merits a good tip when the meal's over. In Jesus' name I pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the piano plays. If you need to talk to the Lord, why don't you come? Many have come. <coughs> Lord, have I, have I been so busy, Lord, with my life? that I haven't thought to ask what you want? Have I been busy, Lord, telling you what you can do for me? So busy that I, I haven't asked you what can I do for you? Are you still waiting for me to bring something? Are you still waiting for me to, to get that little thing taken care of? Wait, I say, on the Lord.